Well, I didn't get a chance to say Merry Christmas to you except digitally, so Merry Christmas. I know it's over, but I told one of the kids Merry Christmas. He said, it's not Christmas, it's over. I love Christmas, don't you? I'm trying to get adjusted to the happy holidays thing, but come on, when we celebrate Christmas, would you say amen? amen. The birth of Christ. Uh, in our worship uh, on Christmas morning, they asked me to share with the family, what, what is, Pastor, just tell us what the meaning of Christmas is, and then let's hurry up so we can open the gifts. So I had to, I had to find a real quick Christmas thought. What is Christmas about? Then it hit me. John 3.16. Hi, Carmelo. Good to see you. The Bible says very clearly, for God so loved the world. That the message of Christmas is you were in big trouble and you needed somebody to come and get you out of it. Thank God he came. Would you say amen? Praise God. Well, I want to get into the word. We're going to look at uh, our text today. And I'd like to begin in Genesis, the 32nd chapter. As we continue our series, studying the life of the patriarchs, particularly looking at covenant with respect to the seven phases of the salvation story, which is God is love, period. Nothing more, nothing less. We got a chance to talk a little bit about this in our Sabbath school, and one of the things that the Lord has been showing me is the beauty of the gospel. Do you realize that Christ forgave you before you asked for forgiveness? Forgiveness and grace and the love of God is not earned, it is not merited, you don't have to buy it, you don't have to work for it, you don't keep the Sabbath to get it. God, the Bible says, we know that he gave his only begotten son. And he says, if you choose to believe, that's one thing or the other, but know that I've loved you and I've even declared on the cross, Father, forgive them. It's ours. It's already ours. We simply just need to, and I'm telling you, the more I study the gospel of Jesus Christ, it just gets better and better. It's better than you've ever believed. And so we're going to continue in that vein today as we look at the life of Jacob in particular. And uh, wow, this brother right here is something else. I couldn't help but see myself all up in this text today. And so we're going to help. Uh, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to help us as we try to uh, discern what it is. The title of our sermon today is Stratagem, Stratagem, uh, part three, doing the most, doing the most. Those of you who don't speak a little slang, uh, let the young folk explain to you what doing the most means. Uh, we're going to break it down in a minute. Some of us are doing the most, and uh, we need to exercise a little discretion. Verse 30, chapter 32 of Genesis the first chapter, Genesis, I'm sorry, chapter 32, verse 1, and I'm going to be reading from the Holman Christian Standard Version of the Bible, Genesis chapter 32, verse 1, and our media team will get that on the screen for us. Genesis, what chapter did I say, everybody? Chapter 32 and verse 1, the Bible says, Jacob went on his way, and God's angels met him. Don't forget that part right there. When he saw them, Jacob said, this is God's camp. So he called that place Mahanaim. Verse 3, Jacob sent messengers ahead of him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. He commanded them, you are to say to my lord Esau, this is what your servant Jacob says. How humble he is now, your servant Jacob. I have been staying with Laban and have been delayed until now. I have oxen. Donkeys, flocks, male and female slaves, I have sent this message to inform my Lord in order to seek your favor. This is a different Jacob that we are seeing here. Concerning the last one that we saw. Verse 6, the Bible says, when the messengers returned to Jacob, they said, we went to your brother Esau. He is coming to meet you, and he has 400 men with him. Translation, I don't care how nice you're being, I'm going to kill you. Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he, watch this move right here. He divided the people with him into two camps, along with the flocks, cattle, and camels. Verse 8, he thought, if Esau comes to one camp and attacks it, the remaining one can escape. Verse 9, then Jacob said, God of my father, finally he prays, 
Finally, God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, go back to your land and to your family and I will cause you to prosper. Verse 10, I am unworthy of all of the kindness and faithfulness you have shown to your servant. Indeed, I crossed over this Jordan with my staff and now I have become two camps. Please rescue me from the hand of my brother Esau. For I am afraid of him, otherwise he may come and attack me, the mothers and their children. Verse 12, you have said, I will cause you to prosper and I will make your offspring like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. Now, I want to just dwell right here. Verse 13, he spent the night there and took part of what he had brought with him as a gift for his brother Esau. Verse 14, 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes. 20 rams, 30 milk camels with their young, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20, 20 female donkeys, and 10 male donkeys. He entrusted them to his slaves as separate herds and said to them, go ahead of me and leave some distance between the herds. So I, I want to kind of deal with today one of the issues that we have sort of discovered with all of the patriarchs. And when I say the patriarchs, I'm talking about Abraham, who else, everybody? Isaac, and who's the last one? Jacob. Um, it kind of, it's kind of amazing to me as I read the Bible. You know, have you ever read the Bible and you saw something that you never saw before? Well, here's the thing that I've been reacquainted with. I really assumed, sorry, I know, I know a lot of you had already figured it out, but I really thought that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, man, were these perfect men. You know what I'm I mean, I, I know that they've made a few mistakes, but the more I've been reading the Bible, I'm like, man, these guys were much worse than I had believed. And it, it's almost strange, like, why does God, why would God entrust the entire salvation plan in the hands of people that fumbled it up and messed it up from the beginning? One of the things you'll discover in today's text is, like, the children of Israel, I mean, that statement almost evokes holiness and righteousness. But do you realize the children of Israel are, they come from not a blended family, but a polygamous family with girlfriends. <laughs> the man of God had girlfriends, sisters on the side, his, his, his two wives competing with each other, who could have the most children. And then from that came Christ. That mess came Christ. And you know, I can't help but tell you right now that as I'm reading this, the gospel is so amazing. Like, the, the, the people that God deals with in the word of God should not make us like put them on this pedestal, but it should make us excited that if he can deal with these folk, then that he can fool with us. I don't think you realize the depth of iniquity that these guys found themselves in. I, honestly, I would willing to bet, I mean, I, I, I bet my firstborn that if any of these guys showed up here and tried to get office in the church, there's no way Abraham was a devil worshiper. The Bible says in Psalms 106, Isaac, man, was one of the worst parents ever, created a sibling rivalry that didn't have to exist, but because of his insecurities and so forth. And then Jacob today, let's deal with him. In this particular chapter that we just read, in Genesis, the 32nd chapter, verse 1, what we see is, is we see Jacob getting ready to wrestle with God. How many know the story about Jacob wrestling with God? It's a beautiful story, right? Now, here's the amazing thing. Jacob was a project. He was a work in progress. And he was not a righteous guy until at 97 years old, he wrestled with God. Then, I mean, seriously, I'm going to show you. But for 97 years, God's choice in order to bring forth the plan of salvation was given to us 97-year-old guy who hadn't figured out what it meant to be a follower of God. You read through the story of Jacob, and you see that the, he only prayed twice in the whole narrative of the story of Jacob. So anyway, so let me give you, I'm going to start from the end and work my way back. In the end, the scripture says he wrestled with God and God did this thing. 
which I'm suggesting that we need to do. And here's the point I want to make today. I don't want you to forget. Old ways will not open new doors. This is the point I want to drive home today as we go on to 2014. Old ways will not open new doors. At some point, God is, and I love this about God, I don't want it, I don't pray for it, but God is so hell-bent on you being saved and on you being the person that he called you to be. Consider now, God called Jacob long before, we're talking about 97 years of running from God. And here it is now that at 97 years old, he is in a fight for his life with God, the Bible says, and at 97, come on now, he's getting with God to the extent we know it was the angel of the Lord. Ellen White says that it was Christ himself. In the middle of the night, he's having a wrestling match with God for his life. And the Bible says that the angel could not overpower him. Now, most of us think that that is talking about his physical strength, but come on, saints, he's 97. It's not his physical strength. The issue, the issue that the, the angel could not overpower was not his physical strength, but it was a battle for his will and his spiritual strength. In other words, Jacob's problem was this. Jacob had a plan and God was not in it. Here's the problem that I'm noticing with me, and I don't know if any of you are experiencing the same thing. Like, I, God has a purpose for me, right? So here I'm right here, and his purpose is somewhere down here. He calls us before we are qualified. No, I'm still, listen to me. Everybody in here, and I'm not just, the Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. Everybody has a, has a call over their life that if you, could, if you could examine it at its deepest roots, you'll discover that it makes no sense. I mean, look at yourself. And look at the call that God has on your life. Man, ain't no way in the world that God should be declaring some of the things that he's calling some of us to over the current condition of our lives. I mean, Jacob got a call on his life and his whole frame of reference was manipulator. Schemer. Control freak. Slick. Sly, doing the most. Oh, so God has a plan. Oh, Jacob's like, I'm cool with that. I'll go with God's plan. But this is what Jacob said. Jacob says, God has a plan, but I'm going to fulfill his plan on my terms. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody in here. I like the plan. I don't like the process. Your boy Jacob was such a planner and strategizer that, watch this, the scripture says in 32 verse 1, you'll see there that the Bible says that angels go to meet him. This is after being separated from his brother that he tricked out of the birthright and the blessing for 20 years. His parents said, you better get out of town because your brother is going to kill you. So the Bible says that he has to leave town, and I'm just fast-forwarding. I'm going to give you the, 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 the meat of it in a second. But at the end of his life, at 97, he still is the same guy that he was when he was 20. Hear me, hear me, hear me right now. I, there are very few things in life that uh, change is hard. It's hard for everybody to change. I'm not talking about change the church, stuff like that. I'm talking about the changes that, come on, tell, tell the truth. There's some stuff in your life that you know needs to change, but it hasn't changed because you don't want to change it. You feel like it's been working for you. Jacob now, guilt-ridden. Listen, let me tell you how bad this is. Laban. It's Jacob 2.0. Laban is the same guy as Jacob. And we know who Laban is. Laban is the uncle of Jacob that Jacob had to go and connect with in order to get married to get away from his brother. All right? So I'm just going to give you that. So God had to introduce Jacob to himself through Laban. Now, Laban, I mean, straight manipulated, took, stole, robbed, 
And the amazing thing is, is that one of the things that God will do in order to get you to fulfill the calling that he has for your life is that he will introduce you to yourself through other people. And most of the time, the people, oh, please hear me on this. There are a lot of us that complain about people that we don't like. But what we have not realized through the workings of the Holy Spirit is that these people that get on our last nerves, a lot of times our children, it's our spouse, it's folks that we work with. Uh, understand, it's people closest to us. God realizes, I've been trying to show you yourself for a long time now, but you can't see yourself. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you everything that's hateful about you through somebody else. And I want you to get so mad at what they're doing to you that when it finally clicks, you'll see how you've been to other people. So with this guilty mindset, I mean, here's the amazing thing. Your boy Jacob is so tired of Laban. Y'all know what happened to him, right? Yo, this is crazy. I love this story. Bible says Jacob has to go 500 miles to escape his brother. This ain't going to take long today. 500. He's 77 years old. All he's got is stab on foot. The scripture tells us that he did 50 miles in one day. That's how afraid he was of his brother killing him. He got his behind out of there. 50 miles in one day, 77 years old. Your boy was trying to roll up out. And when he finally got to the place, the Bible says God showed up in his guilty state. I love how Ellen White paints the picture. She says that he was in utter despair. He had felt like that he had lost the blessing that he'd stolen because of the way that he went about it. And he really felt like God couldn't use him, that God couldn't bless him, that God had forgot about him, and that he could not go to God because he had done too much to mess up his relationship with God. So she says that he hardly even had the desire to pray. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. Have you ever been in a situation where you cause your current situation? You, you are receiving the, the Bible says, uh, be, uh, don't be deceived. God is not mocked whatsoever a man soweth. That shall he also reap. I'm not talking about stuff people did to you. I want honest folk in here today. I'm talking about you having to deal with the stuff that you caused. Folks, you married that God did not hook up. Jobs you took that God was not in. Decisions that you made that you're having to face. Come on, talk to me. Come on, honest saints in here today. Is anybody, I mean, come on, come on. I know folks have done stuff to you. I know you have your Labans, but let's be honest. The reason why Laban did what he did to Jacob is because God put Laban in Jacob's life to give him the consequences of the stuff that he had done. Now, hear me now. You know I preach and believe that we are never punished for our sins. But there are consequences. Oh, Lord, I'm living it. I'm living it. I'm living it. Some of you, some of you can't even, you can't even, you can't even say amen to that because you're living in the middle of, for for your whole life. Most of you have been defined by the mistake that you have made. I mean, look, your boy is 97 years old and he's still not over it. Gray hair does not mean righteousness. Being around a little while does not even mean wisdom. There's old fools. There's young fools. There's old people with hard heads. There's young folk with hard heads. What I've discovered is the issue is not growing old. The issue is growing up. It is receiving the word of God that he's been trying to get to us. But here's the point I want you to gather today. Your old ways will not open the new doors that God is trying to take you through. And if you continue to hold on to your way of doing things, there are going to be problems. The thing I like about God is he's so desperate to save you, he, he will drive you crazy if he has to. Oh, y'all not hearing me right now. Look at what he did to Jacob. Think about this. Your boy Jacob is about to get killed by his brother. He has to run at 77. Come on, Saint. Can you imagine that 77-year-olds? Anybody 75, 70, 70-something, 60? Anybody ever trying to pick up and run 5,500 miles, go someplace else to avoid drama you created? So he's already guilt-ridden. God shows up and gives him a dream, shows him a ladder, 
and shows angels going up to and from the ladder. And God is essentially saying to him, I know you ain't right yet, but I called you. I know you ain't figured this thing out yet, but look, I'm going to give you grace before you finish the race. I'm on the front end. I want you to know, and I I love the promise. I want you to look at the promise here. Look at Genesis, the 28th chapter. I want you to see what God says to him. Oh, thank you, Jesus. The Bible says in Genesis, the 28th chapter and verse 10, guilt-ridden, running for his life, sin all in his life. Notice what God says in verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and went to Haran. Verse 11, he reached a certain place and spent the night there because the sun had what everybody had set. He took one of the stones from the place, put it here at his head and lay down in that place. Verse 12, and he dreamed. A stairway was set on the ground with its top reaching heaven and God's angels were going up and down on it. Verse 13, Uh, Yahweh was standing there beside it saying, I am Yahweh, the God of your father, Abraham, the God of Isaac. I will watch this, guys. I will give you and your offspring the land that you are now sleeping on. Your offspring will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out toward the west, the east, the north and the south. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Verse 15, watch this. This is it right here. Look, I am with you. And will watch over you. Wherever you go, I will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. God essentially comes to Jacob in his worst moment. I'm I'm talking about in the midst of his guilt and sin. Your boy was so bad off. I know some of you have been here because I I, I I mean, I know that God, we're supposed to go to God anytime we make a mistake. But does anybody ever feel, sometimes you don't feel like it because you feel like you come to him on the same thing over and over again. And it's kind of like, well, I mean, I mean, God's heard this before. I know he's tired of me. And so while he's rehearsing how difficult it would be for him to pray, you know what God does? God says, I'm not going to wait for you. God says, I'm not going to wait for you to pull yourself together. I'm not going to wait for you to get yourself right. The Bible says while he sleep in the midst of his sin, God shows up and says, listen, I got some promises I'm going to make you. He says, where you're laying right now is yours. He says, he says, and the promises that I made to righteous Abraham, the promises I made to your daddy, I know you don't deserve it, but I'm putting my name on you right now. What I declared in your life, I'm putting my name on it. I guarantee you. He says, you will come back. And he says, just to cap it off, just in case you ever feel like you're not worthy enough, or just in case you may be tempted to doubt my promises, I'm going to give you something even greater. He says, I'm going to be with you. Mm. Have I got anybody here today that at least you can say, I ain't been faithful for, for my life. I haven't been the most righteous person. But one thing I have discovered, God has never left me. Oh, even in my worst moments, but when I did the ugliest things, when I created the most mess, it's in those moments that God does not wait for us. Hear me, hear me, saints. God does not wait for us to come to him. The Bible says he showed up to Jacob before Jacob could pray in his worst moment and said, I will be with you. We don't do that. Here's, here's what, I'm, what I'm realizing. The reason why we don't know how to relate to God it's because we have difficulty relating to each other. No, seriously, when you're, when you're conniving and shady and mean and backbiting and judgmental and hard on people, the way you treat others and the way you're treated by others sets the foundation of how you view God. And so, I mean, the idea that God is not merciful, God is not kind, he's not forgiving, he's not long-suffering, I mean, the idea that you got to be right before he'll bless you, that you got to be a good person before he'll call you, that ain't in the word. The word shows me that a Jacob at 77 years old, now in my mind, I'm saying, dude, you're 77. You're too old to be acting.
to the fool. You're too old to be manipulating folk. You're supposed to have grown up by now. What's wrong with you? Some of y'all shaking your head right now because you know in your own life you got some stuff that you're dealing with. And let's just be honest. Come on, it's 2000. We're about to go into 2015. Time waits for no man. And let's be honest. There's some stuff. Come on, saints. Forget everybody else. That's just you and Jesus. You got some stuff in your life that God has been trying to work out of you for years. It ain't gone yet. But guess what? He didn't leave either. He has not forsaken you. He has not changed his mind. He didn't say, oh, no, I made a mistake. He's not as spiritual as I thought he was. God says, I'm hoping that my presence and that my promises that I've made to him will be so profound in his life that when he makes up his mind that he's ready to come back, I'll be right here. Don't I mean, oh, don't, don't nobody go looking for, you didn't find God. What? You found God? God found you. So first thing he does is he gives him grace. Now watch this. Second thing that happens is, is he has to go another 450 miles. And with all this, oh Lord, with all this drama in his life, hurt by his family, hurt his family, you're talking about dysfunction on a whole other level. You know what he's going to do now? He's going to look for a wife. Every marriage in the Bible is not a template for you to follow. Jacob was going to look for a wife, and his behind was too messed up to be anything worse of a husband. Oh, he's Jacob, though, so he must have been doing the right thing. Brothers and sisters, I want to make an argument today. Here's the argument. Probably never heard it before. Rachel was not the one God chose. It was Leah. Let me show you. Jacob gets there. Your boy is so, uh, such an emotional wreck that the Bible says he sees Rachel and he falls in love on the spot. Hey, who does that? Like, like he, On the spot, he sees her, falls in love. The Bible says your boy is so in love. At 77, some of the shepherds were trying to move the stone off the well and Jacob said, y'all move out the way. At 77, and trying to impress Rachel, your boy moves the stone... And then the scripture says he breaks down in an emotional wreck and says, praise God, you're the one that I've been looking for. Now here it comes. Here it comes right here. Here it comes. What he's doing is, watch this now, see old ways ain't going to open new doors. You know what he's doing? He's continuing to plan out his life and not wait on God to give him directions. I'm going to say that one more time. I'm learning that you ought not have a plan. That's for the world. In the, see, at your job, have a plan. With your family, have a plan. But in the spiritual realm, take your plans, ball them up, throw them in file 13. There's either God's plan or your plan. But watch him now. He's, he's Jacob. He's got a plan. He says, God has told me Rachel is going to be my wife. And so Laban, her dad, comes and says, well, man, you've been here for a month now, and uh, we're glad you're here. And man, we've not talked business yet. He says, but uh, look, check this out. Uh, what, what do you want your wages to be? He said, man, he said, you, you, let, me, let me work for Rachel. Let me work for Rachel. Laban says, great idea. Now, your boy Laban is slicker than he is. <laughs> Plan is already wrapped tight. Got him. Already been watching how he's been looking at her. Got him. You already know he ended up getting 20 years out of him. He said, look, you work for me for seven years, I'll give you Rachel. Bible says, your boy, come on, listen. Now, when you're working for a woman, come on in here, fella. Your boy was, I mean, he was, yeah, Laban. I mean, Laban, what you need, bro? Come on. Yes, yes, sir. Whatever you need. I mean, everywhere. Doing stuff he didn't have to do. Doing the most. Doing the most. Just press. Whatever you do. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Seven years ends. And listen, I, Ellen, Ellen said this. I mean, Ellen said that his manhood. Now, brothers and sisters, what is seven, seven, was he 84 now? He's 84. And he ain't never been married and has not known a woman. Everything is in working order. I'm not hearing me. It's safe to say he was ready to get married. 
The Bible says that the wedding night, the wedding night, his plan, he laid a plan. This is my plan. I got it. Seven years later, been waiting for this 84 years. Bible says your boy Laban got him so drunk. The Bible says he threw a, bl- a banquet. The word banquet there basically means drinking party. He had to be drunk because I, I mean, to me, I've always asked, how does he in the middle of the night, he's looking for Rachel. This is a woman that he has looked at for, for years, seven years now. The Bible says in the middle of the night, he makes love to this woman. And in the morning when the alcohol had left him. Now, this is a blower right here, y'all. This is a blower. But I'm telling you, God was behind the whole thing. In the, in the morning, he wakes up to have pillow talk with Rachel. Looks over and sees Leah. Now, the, now a lot of preachers have been, been doing Leah a disservice. They've been saying that she's crooked-eyed Leah because the Bible says that Leah had weak eyes. Can I break down to you what that means? The word weak. Now, notice, now let, me, let me show you something here. Uh, uh, look, look now at Genesis. I want to show you this because it, it makes the point that I want to make. Uh, Genesis chapter 29 and verse 25. When morning came, there was Leah. So he said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? Wasn't it for Rachel that I worked for you? Why have you deceived me? Let me answer that question. You're getting deceived because you're a deceiver. People are shady with you because you're shady. It just hit me. That's what God does to get us to see ourselves. If you're a liar, God's going to put liars in your life. Because most of us are not going to come to grips with the flaws in our life until God makes us mad at the flaws in others and then the Holy Spirit will come in swiftly and say, that's you. See, this is how many of us say this. Ain't nothing wrong with me. I'm good. I'm cool with me. I'm doing me and and, and I ain't bothering nobody. Here, let me help you out here. Here's one of the things that the Lord showed me. One of the ways you can tell that what you've been doing, your way of living, your little isms is not working, is not by looking how good you feel. I want you to talk honestly with the people around you that love you the most and let them speak honestly with you if your bullheaded, arrogant behind can handle it. I never shall forget when I finally learned how to shut my mouth and really sit before my wife and hear her. Had to hear some stuff I did not want to hear. And the thing is, I was getting mad about these characteristics in other people. Y'all not hearing me now. I have learned that the people you despise the most are generally just like you. Ain't no sin greater than the other. Here's the problem. We just sin differently. You're saying, no, there's no way. Oh, that's, that's because you're playing. You're, okay, uh, I'm not just like them. Okay, maybe not just like them, but the most, but y'all got more in common. God says, how am I going to get Jacob to be broken? How am I? And God has to do this in our lives. God will not take you to the place of new doors opening for you until those old ways have to go. And one of the ways God removes the old ways is he puts people in your life like your children, your wife, your husband, your co-workers, those closest to you to expose you, to show you who you really are. Many of us are in denial about some stuff. Now, come on, y'all looking at me. Oh, Lord, I feel judged right now. Anybody know what I'm talking about in here? Boy wakes up. Now, now here's the amazing thing. He deceived his brother with food. Appetite, right? He gets deceived with appetite too. Sex. You see how God is taking the same strategy that he worked other people with, and now he's working him with in his weakest point, Laban said, I got him. The middle of the morning, the brother wakes up, looking to have pillow talk with Rachel and sees Leah. And of course, y'all said she's crooked-eyed. Well, she wasn't crooked-eyed. Let me show you what happened here. Bible says here, Bible goes on to say this. Bible says, says, he says, what is this you have done to me? Wasn't it for Rachel that I worked for you? Verse 26, 
Laban answered, it is not the custom in this place. Look at his lying behind. Listen to what he says. Oh, the reason why I did this is because our custom is, is that the older has to get married before the younger. But you didn't say that. <laughs> Seven years ago, when I was 77. Now, let me show you how blind. Look at, this, look at the symbolism. He tricked his blind father. And now <laughs> Jacob is spiritually blind. And he's blinded by his lust for Rachel. Watch this. Watch what happens here. This, is, this blows my mind. You got to see it in the text. Look at verse 27. He says, all right, look, man, let's make a deal. Complete this week of wedding celebration, and we will give you this younger one in return for working yet another seven years for me. Oh, the game. Oh, the game. Getting gamed. Yeah, now, in my mind, I'll be like, no, I'll take Leah. I'm, I'm not about to waste it. I'm at 784. Yo, but when some here, here's a problem with many of us. When we want what we want, we ain't gonna let nobody stop us. Even, even the reality of the situation causes many of us to look at the facts and say, I don't care, I'm gonna do it my way, and I'm gonna get what I want. Watch what Jacob said. Bible says this. Verse 28. He says, and Jacob did just that. <laughs> he finished the week of celebration. Can I, let me just be straight up, because I know y'all ain't going to, yeah. He wanted some. Not from Leah. He wanted Rachel. Bottom line. I'm going to show you in a second. It wasn't God's plan for him to be with Rachel. That was his plan. Scripture says this. It says that Jacob did just that. He finished the week of celebration, and Laban gave him his daughter Rachel as his wife. Verse 29, and Laban gave his slave Bilhal to his daughter Rachel as her slave. Jacob slept with Rachel also, and indeed he loved Rachel more than Leah, and he worked for Laban another seven years. Here's the crazy thing. If you're not so interested in Leah, then why are you making love to her? Well, he wasn't. He was having, he was having loveless sex with Leah. <laughs> you know, listen. Listen, these Bible characters was freaky, man. I know y'all don't want to believe it. Oh, don't, pastor, don't say that. You're a man of God. Look, look, if you didn't want Leah, then be a man of God, huh? And just stick with Rachel. But your boy is going back and forth. And you read the story, I mean, they're just, he's just like a willing servant. Whoever you need me to be with, whatever I can do to serve, I'm there. Now watch what happens here. I want you to look at, verse, look at verse 31. The Bible says, when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved. See, Jacob was just taking sex from her, but he didn't love her. Now this is the man of God that God is going to bring the Christ from. I know y'all spiritual and God's got plans for you, but that ain't, he don't got that kind of plan. Ain't nobody going to give birth to the baby Jesus. We got a freaky, manipulative, scheming, lying, conniving 84-year-old man, and God doesn't yet say, I'm done with him. And so, and so watch this freaky self. The Bible says, when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb. Watch this. But Rachel was unable to conceive. Question. Question. I'm showing you that Rachel wasn't his plan. Which woman, which woman did Christ come from? Leah. It wasn't until uh, Leah had about eight kids till God opened up Rachel's womb. The only significant person that Rachel gave birth to was Joseph. And God, and here's the beauty of God. God doesn't diss her. He doesn't diss her, but God even works through Rachel's son, Joseph, to help further his plan. Here's my point. God could have done his promise and his plan with just Leah and not Rachel. But here's the problem. Jacob wanted what he wanted. 
it was his plan and his old ways were closing doors. And let me tell you what happens to many of us as I get ready to close this. We have plans and we keep trying to work them and they keep failing. Keep failing. You go from relationship to relationship. Huh? You, I mean, you always got drama with the same folk all the time. You ain't never happy. I mean, it's just always one thing. You go from job to job or your, your spiritual life just kind of stays stagnant. You're still struggling with the same things over and over again. And here's what God is saying. He's saying your ways need to change. It's not anybody else that's the issue. It's not Laban Jacob. I'm using him to get you to see you. Now, here's the amazing thing. Your boy Jacob got so fed up with Laban after 20 years. He said he was just going to look for a wife. Ended up wasting 20, oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. Some of us are living in that 20 years right now. 20 years? Now, here's the crazy thing. If I had to choose between going to deal with Esau and dealing with Laban, I would deal with Laban because at least Laban ain't gonna kill me. Let me tell you how bad, no, here's this, don't miss this point. Let me tell you how bad dealing with Laban was or really dealing with himself was. He hated dealing with himself so much, he said, I'd rather die and deal with Esau then fix me. The Bible says he packed up his family and they rolled. Now here's the thing. The Bible says Esau is waiting on him. Before he gets to Esau, the scripture says this, that God sends angels. Watch this. He sends angels to be with him. Y'all missing this. Now, after God sends an angel your way, simply just to remind you, I'm with you. Abandon your plan and let me do this. You know what he does? Watch what he does. The Bible says he gathers up his family and he starts strategizing. Okay, I'm going to send this group first, and maybe if I send my children ahead, he won't kill me. If I send some money ahead, he won't kill me. And, and through all this, maybe I'll delay him so that if he tries to ambush me, he don't got no time because he's working with my kids, and, and I, he's working with all the money and the cattle and stuff that I send him. What is Jacob doing? Jacob is scheming. He's trying to work his plan, instead of just letting go and letting God do what he wants. Watch this. Now, here's the mind thing. Why doesn't he simply pray? Do you see? Look, look. This is the patriarch. He doesn't prayer ministry leader. He doesn't pray. Like, no, like if there's anybody that should pray, it ought to be the pastor. But I found sometimes in my life where my back was against the wall and my first inclination, I know some of y'all, y'all so spiritual, y'all pray all the time, but I ain't gonna lie to you, there are some moments in my life where my back's against the wall and the first thing that comes to my mind is not to pray, but figuring out how am I gonna work my situation so I can get out of this. So he sends his family, look at, look at the selfishness in this brother, sending his family, put all these people in harm's way. And his behind stays in the desert in the middle of the night. And what, then what happens? He finally prays. He says, God, look, I can't do it. Okay, I, it ain't working. Because when he sent his kids and he sent his, uh, some of his servants, he said, tell, tell Esau that your servant's Jacob. Your servant. Uh, let, let me find favor in your eyes. And this is, what, this is what Esau's reply was. I've got 400 men. Got 400. 20 years have gone by, but I ain't forgotten. I'm going to kill you. Kill your family. I'm killing all y'all. 
what did Jacob do? He panicked. And see, this is what happened with many of us. When we panic, we generally don't pray. But after, what is he now, 97 years old, he finally learned, let me pray. The Bible says, while he's praying, God, get me out of this. Quoting all the scriptures, you know, claiming every promise. <laughs> you know, praying like he heard his mama pray. You know, just, he's doing all that. He's just going in, God, help me. God, I'm sorry. Ellen says the weight of his sin was on him. He was like, God, just get me out of this situation. Help me, Lord. The Bible says in the middle of the night, an angel shows up. Well, he doesn't know it's an angel. He thinks it's probably one of Esau's armed men and just starts trying to fight him. The Bible says that your boy Jacob at 97 years old is going to work like I, it ain't going down tonight. The Bible says after this all, listen, all night. Here's, here, here's what God is saying. And this is what I want to say. As we go into 2015, God is saying, before you move to the level that I'm calling you, you're going to have to come through me. Now, you can fool with folk, and you can complain about folk, and you can say that this is the problem and they're the problem, but at, at the end of the day, I will find you. And you're going to have to deal with me by yourself, one-on-one. -on -one. Nobody's around. Ain't no church folk around. Ain't no, we ain't dressed up. Your family's not around. You're going to have to deal with me. Now, hold on. Watch this. Hold on one second. Let me say this. Let me say something here. Because there are many of us right now, under the sound of my voice, I don't care who you are. You're Jacob. In some area of your life. And it's easy to say amen when you think it's somebody else, but I'm talking to you. Listen, hear me now. I'm talking to me. God, God is saying, Myron, there's some stuff I'm trying to do in your life, and you're, you're putting it on other folk. It's you. And you ain't going nowhere. You ought not be afraid of Esau. You need to be afraid of me. The Bible says all night long. God is dealing with him. God is simply taking him to the edge. God, God wants to get him as close to crazy as possible so that he's so humble that he says, I can't do it anymore. The Bible says just so God can show him it ain't physical, it's spiritual. The Bible says that the Lord just touches his boot. I mean, just a touch from the hand of God puts his whole hip out of joint. Now, you would think at this point that Jacob would be so broken that he would let go. The Bible says, he said, hey, he said, I know who you are now. He says, because nobody can break me like you just broke me. All this time, I thought it was an enemy, but I realize now that it's you, God, and, and you could have killed me. You could have killed me, but you've just broke me. I'll deal with being broken, but one thing is for sure, I will not let you go until you give me my blessing. I'm tired of me. I'm tired of my own ways. I see what I've done, and I'm telling you right now, I'm 97 years old, but Lord, I'm gonna get, you're going to get a fight out of me. I ain't going to let you go. I need a blessing, Jesus. That's where you got to get. I ain't talking about none of this. All of it, all the music. Get in your closet. And let God deal with you. You, not your children. You, not your wife, not your husband, not the church folk. God says, old ways will not open new doors. Now, here's what he needed. The Bible says, who, they said, who are you? Don't worry about that. My name's not important. Yours is. He said, you've been known as a, he says, you've been defined by your name your whole life. Oh, help me, Holy Spirit. See, there's some church folk in here who know that you're an adulterer. There's some church folk in here that know you've made mistakes with your children. There's some family members that know that you've got addiction issues. There's some other folks in here that know your financial situation. They know your health. You better hear me today. There's some of you in here. You, folks know your stuff, 
and what it has done to you, it has caused you to stay in a stuck position because you are allowing the thoughts of others and the, and the sin that has defined you to keep you from where you're going. Listen, here's the good news. God has already forgiven you. God has already forgiven you. Forgive yourself. Let that thing go and tell the Lord, I ain't going to let you go until I get blessed. I need you, God. That's what I'm talking about. That kind of attitude. I ain't got to have it, God. I'm not going to take another step until I get from you what I've been dying to have. Now, here's what blew my mind. When I read this, I fell to my knees. Ellen says this, that while the angel was wrestling with Jacob, that God sent an angel to wrestle with Esau. Oh, oh man, I don't know if y'all feeling this thing. See, understand now, Jacob's whole life was built on scheming and strategizing to avoid and deal with Esau. But in the moment that he yielded himself to God, in the moment where where he let God deal with him, guess what God started doing? God started dealing with the stuff that he'd been trying to fix. In one night, God fixed his problem when he learned to lay it all at the feet of Jesus and surrender his life to him. When he got real and naked and honest with God, God sent an angel to Esau and broke him down. You're doing the most. You're doing the most. You're doing too much. You talk too much. You scheme too much. You strategize too much. You depend too much on your own stuff. The Bible says, hey, lean not to your own understanding. God, if God could just get us to stop doing too much, to stop. In 2015, here's a lesson that the Lord is teaching me. I don't have to. I don't want to because it ain't working. Have I got a witness in here of somebody? Come on, saints. This must be a word today because ain't nobody talking back to me. That must be a good sign. But is anybody honest enough to admit today that you need to learn how to let go and to let God? Here's the amazing thing. You got to. You got to be. Here's the tough part. Ooh, I've been running from this for a long time. Can I tell you what it is? It ain't Satan. It's not Satan. You know what I've been running from? The truth. I am scared. You know how you have those things about yourself that people say and that you think and that you kind of try to tell yourself, well, I'm not that person? So, like, I'm going to use me as an example. I'll say something. Well, I'm not really afraid. Or I'm not angry. I'm not bitter. You know, it's like we always want to save face and make it seem like we ain't as hurt and as dysfunctional as we are. And here's what the Holy Spirit said to me. He says, if you will just let me break you, let me break you. If it's going to hurt, come on, say amen. When God is working on you and showing you you, it's not pleasant. I didn't say it is, but it's better than lying. It's better than trying to continue to use your old ways to get new results. Lord told me straight up. He said, you are scared and stop saying you're not. You are hurting and stop saying you're over it. There's somebody out here who keeps saying, I don't need my daddy. You lying. He ain't a good father. I know it, but you still want him. Oh, I'm talking to somebody in here right now. I don't need a relationship with my sister. Yeah, that's your pain speaking. You're hurt. You're abused. You've been violent. 
violated. And you don't want to be vulnerable. But unless you learn to wrestle with God and get vulnerable and get broken, your old ways are going to keep taking you down the same road. Happy New Year. Man, I, you know, I'm just talking about me. It's so hard. It is so hard to not be in control. Can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? Is it just me? It's so hard to adapt new ways. What they say, you can't teach your old dog new tricks. Huh? Just like we had this dog, man, Mo. We got him when he was old. Man, we tried to potty train that dog. I'm trying to tell you, man. Tried to. Mo would not do it. He'd have good days. We let him loose. Say, all right, it's all good. Yeah, Mo. Mo's got it. Your boy Mo would go back into his old default setting, mess up carpets, clothes, the old dog just he just he was so his nature was I gotta do it the way I've always done it I'm not gonna be vulnerable I'm not gonna let people tell me the truth I'm not gonna put myself in a position where I can be hurt but if you don't do that you're not going to grow and many of you are gonna be lost because of it you're not broken enough you're not. You got it's too much swag in you. Too much arrogance. Too much, I'm this, I'm that. I'm the, shut up! Hey, watch this. When you get broken, you can deal with Esau. Watch this. The Bible says, I love this part. This is a whole nother sermon, but the Bible says Jacob is limping. All night he'd been wrestling with God. I'm saying you're vulnerable. That's not a good position to be in. Now, he didn't know that God sent an angel to deal with Esau. But I did see, I like what Martin King said. He said, hey, man, he said, listen, I've been to the mountaintop, man. He said, it don't even matter with me now. He said, I know they're trying to kill me. He said, oh, man, I done seen, I done seen what God wants to do in my life. And I'm tired of scheming. I'm trying to fix him. I'm trying to be what people want me to be. I'm tired of doing this, that, and the other. I don't, I don't care what folks say about me now. I'll limp my way to victory. And the Bible says limping to his brother, not knowing. See, you, see when God breaks you, nobody else can. Oh. When the Spirit of God, Michelle, when you allow him to break you, nobody can break you like God can break you. And guess what? The pain feels so good. I'm, I'm a living witness today. I am a broken man. I'm a broken pastor. God's stripping me of ego. I hardly got none left because he keeps humbling me and humiliating me and dealing with me and making me apologize and humble myself. And Oh, God, I just am so tired of it. But it feels so good to be broken. It feels so good to be limping because I'm no longer carrying the lie that I've been living my whole life. And here's what I've come to know. He loves me. Ah, he loves me. Jacob said, I'm 97. I ain't figured it out yet. But one thing I know for sure, he loves me. He loves me. He never left me. He never forsook me. I trust him. I trust him. I trust where he's taking me. I trust his hand. I trust his heart. I trust you, God. I know it doesn't feel right right now. I, I, I don't have control, but I trust you because I know you love me. sin abounds 
grace. Grace. that thing go let man all that all that that all that you all your swag all your persona all your what you have defined yourself as you know what God's coming to do he's coming to destroy it he hates reputation he wants character he hates it and most of us that have a definition about who we are and how we operate God is coming to destroy it. I want you broken. I want you desperate. I want you on your face. Now, 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 now. Hallelujah. Many of us are not going to go willingly. You're not going to go willingly. He's got a plan and a purpose, but he also has a process, but you don't want that. You're going to try to take an alternate route, even after this message, because I realize sermons don't really change people. I'm going to tell you what changes you. Life. Yeah. So here, here, listen to me. Life is going to hit you as soon as the sermon is over. And I'm telling somebody right now, this is a prophetic word. Life's going to hit somebody when the sermon is over. And when you come through the storm you're about to go through, send me an email. Give me a call and tell me. Testify. Tell me that what I said was true. One of the scariest things in my life is the notion that in order for God to get me here, he's got to get me down here. I don't want to go there. <laughs> I don't know about you. I, 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 just tell I mean, come on, be honest. How many of you want to be humiliated? How many of you want to struggle? How many of you want to suffer? How many of you want to be broken? Come on, raise your hand. I don't want to. Guess what? Not my will. Oh, lift your hands right now. If, if you know you need to say that right now. Somebody just tell the Lord right now, right in your pew, right in your pew, say, Lord, not my will, not my will, not my will. Come on, talk to him right now. Tell the Lord, tell the Lord from your spirit, oh God, not my will. statement. Why do you have to play that song? Do you hear that? Listen to this. that song and at least you want to mean it I invite you to stand right now if you want to mean that if you want to mean that you want to mean it today 
and this sermon was for you. That's it. It was for you. I'm telling you. Brokenness. Sis, this is the this is the thing that the Spirit of God is telling me that the church is in for. 2015 will be a year of humbling and brokenness. Now, don't miss this moment. If God was talking to you and you know it, I want you to come down here right now. Come. 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 That's it. That's all I want to know. If the Lord was talking to you, talking to you. Old ways will not open new doors. Anybody need new ways? Some new ways. Wow. Come close. Fill in this area here. Come close. Come close. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Now, here's my problem. I don't know about y'all. This is my issue right here. Here's my issue. And, I, and it's my issue with my mouth. It's my issue with my decisions. It's my issue with the way I think. It's my issue the way I treat folk. Here's my issue. Lean not to your own understanding. Can I get a witness in here? I mean, come on, saints. I'm feeling all by myself today. Do we have some folk here today that are chronic in leaning to your own understanding? <laughs> so here's what we're praying for today. God, keep my mouth shut. God, keep me from doing, keep me from doing what I think is best.